0: incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Hey girl, I'm so excited that you're here. This episode is going to be so impactful because we have our first ever married couple on the show, Rachel and Kyle Wright. And if Rachel Wright sounds familiar, it's because she's actually been on the podcast before. The feedback was so incredible. Her background as a psychotherapist working to help women and men develop strong relationships has been so impactful to so many listeners that I was like, how cool Will this be to bring them both on together because they are the co-founders of Right Wellness Center and they are on a mission to strengthen relationships amp up intimacy, and spark constructive conversations amongst couples. And they've got incredible tools around how to navigate what if one partner wants to grow and the other one's not on board, how to have conversations that get us to the goal that we want of being deeply understood and respected by our significant other. We talk about divorce predictors. We talk about stonewalling and things that we're doing in our tiny behaviors on a daily basis that could be really impacting our relationship for the long haul. And what's so cool about it is their dynamic together is so fun. And it's really cool to get a male's perspective as well as a female's perspective. Rachel's really backed in the science and research because of her education. And Kyle has this very honest and raw approach to how he's approached his own growth and intimacy in their relationship. And oh my gosh, I can't even wait for you to hear all of the things that we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Rachel and Kyle Wright, the first married duo on the podcast ever. Welcome to the show, you guys. What an honor. The first married couple. So Fine. exciting it's
1: I know. here. I know. I'm ridiculously excited. I'm just so happy to be back and have Kyle here. And oh, gosh. I know.
0: And Rachel, obviously, we'll link your episode in the show notes. But everybody, like, I got such crazy feedback from how much value you added and how much people vibe with your personality. And now we get to bring in one of my other favorites, Kyle, who has a completely different perspective. And you guys together, like, ah! I'm so oh, excited. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, before we dive into all of the content that we want to talk about, I definitely want to set the stage a little bit. Kyle and Rachel, you guys have very different backgrounds yes. um, <laughs> in terms of how you guys met and everything too. I'd love if you could, you know, maybe start with Kyle. Where were you at before you met, Rachel? And then how you guys actually met and, and formed the business that you have now.
2: <laughs> That's a it's a great quick, real quick clarifying question. Can I curse on your podcast? You can. Yes. Awesome. I always want to make sure because... That plays into how Rachel and I met because I was a dick back when we met. (laughs) I was a bartender. I've been bartending for a couple of years, and I was a corporate trainer, and I only knew how to speak and treat others in an aggressive manner. It's how I was treated at work, and so I started modeling that and started wearing this, like the the negative bartender stereotype you see in TVs and movies. I kind of embodied that, sort of made it who I was, where that's not who I am in my core, but that's the armor that I wore all the time. And so when Rachel met me, very rightfully so, she did not, uh, not really want to be around me. At all. No, I, I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> he was such an asshole. Whereas I didn't really want to be around Rachel because she embodied everything that I was wanting to do, but never really thought that I was worth, I didn't really have the self-value to do it, which sounds weird because I thought that I was hot shit when I was bartending. But yeah. he was front of the class always outspoken, always trying to learn more, always trying to grow more. And she did, ask, she asked a million questions. And I was like, can this redhead just stop talking for one minute so I can like do my presentation on cocktails and move on by day. Uh, but so I, you know, we, we butted heads a little bit at the beginning, but um, I don't know, fell in love.
0: It's so, it's so funny because knowing you guys and Kyle, like how self-aware you are now and like, you're so kind and gracious and like welcome everyone with open arms to picture you as like, just like a, douchey bartender so funny (laughs) I I know it's so funny okay all right and then Rachel kind of where were you at um when you first met Kyle so So, liking him
1: (laughs) yeah besides thinking it was a total dickwad um I had just started back in restaurants because I was doing my internship in my master's program so I went back from a full-time job, I was working in sales at a bank, which was horrid, started my master's program for my marriage family therapist license, and took this job to support myself while doing my unpaid internship. And that's when I met Kyle. So I was in this frame of mind of, it was the first time ever living on my own, like fully on my own. I did not have roommates. I wasn't living with a partner. It was just me in my one bedroom apartment. And I thought it was like, I basically thought I was Carrie Bradshaw, but like living in Orange County. I was like, I'm basically Carrie Bradshaw in Irvine. Like it's fine. And and so I was really determined to make the best out of it. I knew I wasn't going to be paid for my internship. So I was like, I'm going to be the best server at this restaurant and I'm going to make the most money out of everybody. And I'm going to learn all the stuff and I'm going to, Get myself to a point where no matter what happens, both careers are great. And I think that that was the drive that Kyle was like, oh, my God, what is wrong with her? Yeah. <laughs> and a year went by from when we met to when we started dating. Yeah. And we kind of followed up with each other here and there. We were very drawn to each other, but it was it felt at the time like an opposite attract type thing, which I had never fully, really believed in. Yeah. And so that was very difficult (laughs) to think about because I was like, wait, I don't believe in opposite, but why am I attracted in? This is so weird. Like, I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And a year went by. And then obviously, after getting to know him, we're not opposites in that way. Like, he is one of the biggest empathetic human beings I've ever met. And so that's what I was being drawn to. It was just kind of underneath this hardened exterior
2: many layers um, like an
1: onion
0: so, <laughs> like layers. Many layers. except for now you're just like the core when you meet someone you're just like oh, yeah. oh. Uh, which is why yeah. i loved you the first time that i met you so okay what was the catalyst just to kind of give to close up the story here of the beginning stage what made you guys actually decide to start dating after that amount of time
2: uh well what can i start Go, oh it's all you Ben. so uh <laughs> it starts with a tragedy actually. Uh, so we were opening up a restaurant together. You know, I knew she was coming to be on the training team. Like she texted me like, Ooh, I'm on the training team now. And I'm like, okay, and then he's the girls coming back in the training. We'll see what happens. So we're opening up a restaurant. For those of you who don't know, when you open up a restaurant as one of the trainers, you're there for a month working 15 hour days, back to back, you one day off the entire month, the day before opening, which is so helpful. And, uh, I was supposed to, I had recently lost a coworker. A coworker of mine had died of breast cancer a few months previous, and it was time for a funeral uh, after some planning. The funeral was supposed to take place on the one day off that we had. And because the bar manager at the restaurant we were opening was so incompetent, they didn't have the training team space to let me go home. And so I couldn't go to a funeral of a really good friend of mine. And I was devastated. And Rachel had planned to go back down to so her we in Southern California, but not exactly where she lives. She planned to go back down the coast a little bit to where she lived for her day off, you know, sleeping in your own bed, shower in your own shower, all that kind of stuff after being in a hotel. And she saw how uh, hurt I was and how sad I was. And I shared, you know, she died and started forming a bond a little bit. So she talked it out with me a little bit and she decided to stay on our day off. And we went for what turned out to be our very first date. And we talked Nonstop. we haven't stopped talking since actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about everything and all of a sudden we realized there were so many similarities so many connection pieces so many places where we agreed in a way that felt uh, like something i never experienced before which I means obvious because here we are um yeah. and and yeah that was that was just it for me like i i knew that day it took me about two three more weeks to really figure it out fully but that day i knew something was completely different
0: Oh, I, everybody just like crying in Trader Joe's right now. Like, yeah, Rachel and Kyle, throwing the the Um, I always picture people listening to a podcast while they're in Trader Joe's for some reason. So I love that. Okay. And then tell us kind of like, give us like the high level. How did we actually start the business that you have now? And of course, we'll dive into the programs and things that you guys offer a little bit later. But how did you guys form this?
1: So what ended up happening was we moved in together very quickly. It was six months into our relationship and we were yeah. both like, let's fucking do it. We live far apart. We were long distance for the first six months, which sucked. Yeah. And we fought a lot when we moved in together and it was over stupid stuff. And so what I started doing was I asked Kyle, I said, Hey, would it be okay if I taught you some of the communication techniques that I teach couples during couples therapy? And he was like, Yes, please. Like, oh, teach me. That. like, tell me what I can do so that we're not arguing because this is horrible. Yeah. And so I started teaching him these things. Fast forward like two years. I'm in private practice. I have my license and I'm coming home every night complaining that couples are coming in too late. They're coming in and right. there's all of this resentment. There's all of the, it's like plaque on your teeth to you seen as profession. Like <laughs> you come in, you're like, dude, your teeth are falling out already. Like yeah. this is not time for a cleaning. Like you need a whole new set. Like you're, you're done. <laughs> you need a whole new set. <laughs> yeah, like just take them out, put some new ones in. And that's when couples were coming into therapy. Yeah. And so Kyle with his like corporate training logic brain was like, yeah. well, why don't you take the tools that you taught me and we turn it into something that you can give them. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's, that's fucking brilliant. Let's do it. But I need you because Kyle was able to help me translate the scientific research into like normal words. And so he helped me make this thing. I gave it to a bunch of my clients and they stopped coming into my practice. And I was like, Oh my God okay, we're helping a lot of people, but now we're going to be broke. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> and we realized at that moment that our whole society views working on your relationship as a reactive thing yeah. instead of being proactive. And had we not been proactive, had we not had the tools that I learned in a fucking master's program, yeah, I don't know how long we would have gone before the resentment built up. So that's kind of how we started it. And then I looked at Kyle and I was like, I can't do this without you. And he was like, "Uh, I've kind of always wanted to have my own business. And we were like, okay, let's do it. And now we're here.
0: Oh my gosh. And I, I love this story. It's so powerful. It's so impactful what you guys are doing. But also I love your personalities together because it's like, there is such an important element of bringing in this like masculine side of like Kyle's perspective also that's so unique compared to one of you doing it singularly. Totally, totally. Um, so I love that. Okay, I want to kind of move into your guys's, you know, philosophy around this of this being the bridge between, like, you know, a self help book and a therapist's couch. Right? Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, <laughs> that how, like, how do you educate people on preventative work? So whether they are, you know, right now, maybe someone listening to this is just in that like early stage of their relationship, or maybe they are newly married and they're super excited about their relationship right now. How do we like help enable them with more, and when I say enable them, I mean myself too, with more (laughs) tools to make sure that we're doing the preventative work when things are actually going well?
2: Well, the way we like to think about it, it's like driving a car, right? You have to take classes in high school first, then you have to take classes at the DMV and take a test and then do a performative driving test. (laughs) So you have to take there's like four steps to getting behind the wheel of a car. And even then. If you do it early, there's like a learner's permit. Like there's a lot that goes into allowing a person to get behind the wheel of a car in the United States and most of the world, right? Great, awesome. If we could give one ounce of that same preparation to our relationships, people will be way better off. Because mm-hmm. if you never knew how to drive a car and then you just hop in one, figure out which pedals to do what, and you just drive off onto the freeway and inevitably crash the car because you didn't know how, no one would hold you responsible because you didn't know what you were doing. How could you have known? No one taught you. And yet, in relationships, we are expected as people in society to find a partner, somehow fall in whatever love is, and then create a life together, have kids, get a house, whatever the like nuclear family, two and a half kids or whatever thing is. We're expected to do that without struggle. But how? What, where? I did you get a class at any point on how to communicate no. in a healthy way? Because I took every communication class that I could find. My that I could find at any single college I could find, and. They're all about winning. It's argumentation. It's debate. It's yeah. speech. It's all about how, to, how people hear you without making sure... With, you know, It's basically you telling them what you think and them listening without arguing.
1: Yeah. So basically... I, love, I just love how passionate you are. I know. know
0: I know. It makes me pumped. I'm like sweating. I'm so excited. I know. Me too. <laughs> I'm like, okay,
1: okay. Um, it's, it's exactly that. And we try to make it fun. But before it even can be fun. We have to remove the shame because Mm -hmm. our culture has made it shameful to go do work on your relationship, which again, Mm -hmm. if we use the car analogy, makes no sense. It's like, could you imagine going to your parents and saying, Hey, I want to learn how to drive a car. And they're like, what? You don't know how to do that. What's wrong. What's wrong with you? You're like, no, I want to learn how to do it for whatever reason. Along the way, relationships did not get that same treatment. But it doesn't make any sense because there's like 50 years of research that shows what makes relationships work. And so it's not like we're just pulling shit out of our asses like, oh, this worked for me, so it'll work for you. It's true research based stuff that we teach. And so as soon as somebody can let themselves off the hook and acknowledge that it's not their fault, it's not their partner's fault that you don't know, no one taught you. So let's make it fun. Let's, you know, we, have, we do this one thing now where with a couple, they come to New York and we set up a whole date weekend for them. So in addition to doing the work with them in the city, we also plan like a curated date for them because we want this to be fun. It doesn't, don't wait until all the plaque's there and then you have to go get all your teeth extracted.
0: Yes. That's <laughs> preach. Okay. I love that. So. To like how do we even start learning how to communicate better with your partner? Like what are some like tips and tricks that you guys have around communication as a whole? I would say the very,
1: very first place to start is telling your partner that you want to learn. Because a lot of times what happens is one partner wants to learn and they make the assumption that the other one has no interest. And stereotypically in a heterosexual relationship, that's the woman who wants to learn. And then she's like, my boyfriend or my fiance or my husband will not ever want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, give me 20 minutes on the phone with them. Yeah. And we'll talk. And by the end they're like, Oh, that sounds great. That's fun. And they're like, oh, how did you get him to do that? <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't get him to do anything. We just had an honest conversation. Yeah. And so really going to your partner and saying, Hey, If we didn't learn how to drive cars, we couldn't drive them. I want to learn how to be the best version of myself. And I want to learn how we can be the best together so that we can be together forever. Will you do that with me? Will you learn with me so that we can thrive and be amazingly hilarious 90-year-olds together and not be miserable at 42, which is like the average age for divorce. Mm -hmm. So it's really about getting your partner on board first. But even that part feels scary, right? Like it's vulnerable to go. That's not your fault either. That's all society. So if you can get yourself to your partner, that would be my first step.
2: Yeah. Uh, And I would, I mean, and if you're the receiving, so now I feel like I'm like, well, I'm the guy in this situation. So I would speak to the guy. If your partner comes to you looking to do relationship work, especially preventatively, because that's the idea, right? That's what we want to help people get their heads around It's the idea of preventative care for their relationship being super important that your partner, if they're coming to you, trying to do some preventative work, they're trying to add to your relationship. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to take anything away. They're trying to add something. And if you feel threatened that your partner wants to increase something in your relationship, then That might not be the relationship for you. That's something that you got to get your head around too, because if your partner wants to add, one partner cannot bring a relationship to the next level, and you're just going to be an anchor on that. So if you want to be with that person, then if they're going to grow, you better start planting yourselves, get ready to grow too, because otherwise your partner's not going to drag you along for that long.
0: Yeah. So in that situation, if someone say, let's just use this um, heterosexual relationship example. If a woman comes to her husband and she does have that honest conversation and gets feedback of him not being interested, uh-huh. but she's like, I know that he is like, I, like what can I do still? How would, you, how would you guys react to someone who's like, my, my husband doesn't want to join your course, but I want to join your course. How do you guys walk through someone that's in that? State. This this happens
1: all the time. Unfortunately. Not, unfortunately, it happens yeah. all the time. So one of the things that we talk about a lot is that while Kyle's right, it, it is an anchor to have somebody over the long run not doing the work. One person can start to make the difference in a relationship. Yes. So let's say in this example, it's the woman. If I go start learning how to communicate better with Kyle, and the way that I show up in our relationship starts to shift He's going to notice. Yeah. So instead of, let's say I get really annoyed that he leaves the dishes out, which is ironic because he does all the dishes for us all the time. <laughs> I'm like flipping this around. So Let's say he like leaves dirty dishes everywhere and I'm just fed up. And usually I'm like, God, you leave the dishes everywhere and this is so no, And instead one day I come up to him and I'm like, hey, do you have a minute to talk? And he says, yes. And I say, I feel really sad and disrespected when you leave your dishes out on the counter. He's going to stop in his tracks. Yeah. And that right there, just that one interaction is going to start a giant ripple effect in the relationship. So it can start with just one person. It does not have to be both people bought in. But to truly have like the joint transformation of course, it's ideal at some point to have your partner on board.
0: Yeah. I, lo- I mean, that's even a good example with fitness where like a lot of times I'll have people that are like, how did you get Cena to work out with you every day? I'm like, well, I tried to carry like a 200 pound man and then I realized I couldn't do that. So I just decided I'll take care of me and he's going to see how freaking pumped I am and then he'll he'll probably going to want to do it too. So same exactly. type of, of mindset. I love that. And that really empowers the woman listening to this who is deciding that, she's going to use that as a reason to not become a better communicator herself of like, Oh, it's hopeless. It's like, no, no, no. Like you working on this is going to better the conversations. And at least then you can say that you sharpened the tools that you have in your toolbox, right. Versus just throwing in the towel without trying. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I think that so often though, we assume that our partner is not going to be into it. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where, I really try to challenge and I challenge anybody listening. Yeah. If you have not had the conversation about, Hey, can we learn together? Do that first. Mm-hmm. Don't just assume that because yes. your partner has a penis, that he's not going to want to learn how to
0: communicate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even people with penises want to communicate. Yes. <laughs> I, I my dad's listening to this. Hey dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, what about for the woman that is on a path right now? Like, how would you guys kind of work through this? A woman that's on a path right now towards like growing herself or growing a business or has like big dreams and goals and the significant other is not on board or doesn't seem supportive. Like, how do you walk someone who comes in and they're like, I'm on a rocket ship going this direction, but my significant other doesn't seem like they're supportive. What, how, would you, how would you talk them through that? <laughs>
2: I mean, it's all, it, for me at least, it's difficult to approach this conversation without being a little frustrated That yeah. a partner who wants to hold their partner back because if, a, if if two people together, if that's a partnership, then one person restricting the other in any way, shape, or form is, I mean, it's, it's building toxicity. It's building resentment before it even happens. Yeah. So if you're, th- and I, man, it's difficult because it often comes back to what the guy thinks about himself because this is actually how our business starts the beginning of our business was a little bit of a stumble over the first two years or so, which was 95% my fault. I won't take hundred percent, but 95% definitely is.
0: <laughs> yes, Kyle. Because
2: I was threatened about why yeah. I had all this self-talk and all this negative shit in my own head and seeing Rachel just skyrocket the way she was. I was responding with inaction because, you know, yeah. I was intimidated by her, but it wasn't her intimidating me. It was me being intimidated in my own head. Just looking at her. So I would talk to the partner about, well, let them do their thing. And if it involves you, then go along as best you can and just take baby steps and share how you're feeling with your partner. Because if you were telling them that you're intimidated, if I had told Rachel all the shit that I felt in the first few years of our business, then... Who knows what would have happened, but it probably would have been a smoother two first opening years of our business yes. had I been more upfront, but I was so internalized with all the stuff I was thinking that it was a hindrance for a long time. So I would take that lesson that I experienced and now telling on this podcast to just <laughs> tell your partner how you're feeling, don't stop them in their progress. If anything, step to the side for a little while, be the relationship partner. And let them skyrocket and see how you want to interact, see if you want to go along, see if you want to just do your own thing for a while. Maybe someone likes working in a nine-to-five and their partner wants to go be, you know, a world-winning entrepreneur. That's okay as long as they have a happy relationship and they feel supported individually.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel and I in unison are like, yeah, Kyle, that was great. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) I think, yeah, Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. No, you. So I think that you know, Kyle, that speaks so much to if we're going heterosexual couple like mm. to the to the guy, mm-hmm. right and I think that as the woman, it's really important to not shame or get annoyed at a partner that is mm. struggling with that, and it's okay to feel annoyed, but then to not again, same thing, don't internalize that either. You can say, instead of saying, you're holding me back, you're holding me down, use the I statements, mm-hmm. talk about what you're seeing and what you're feeling. So when I uh, go to a podcast interview, I notice that you shut down. Can you tell me more about why that is? Oh, so good. Right? So you're, you're not saying, you shut down every time I go to a podcast. Because that statement is like, whoa, back up. Like, why are you attacking me? Mm -hmm. Instead, you're actually approaching it with compassion and empathy and curiosity. And because you want to know, right? Like, is it we and if you don't want to know, then maybe you're not with the right person. Because when you truly do want to make it work with somebody, you want to know those things. Even when they're hard to hear, you want to hear their vulnerabilities.
2: Right, and I think that's something, just to piggyback on that, well, I mean, yes, I completely agree with everything you just said, and it's fantastic, but uh, one thing in this, in our evolving world, you know, men have not been allowed societally to be vulnerable openly, especially to their female partners, as long as we're sticking this heteronormative narrative we're talking about, so guys now are like, wait, I can share my feelings, Mm -hmm. and like, that's encouraged, my partner wants that, but our society is not used to men doing that on a large scale. So it can feel there. I mean, Rachel, you know, she's the most open, sharing, loving, empathetic person, maybe on the face of the earth. And oh, I, I felt like oh, that.
0: <laughs> so
2: scared to tell her how I, I mean, even to this day, it's still a struggle. Sometimes where I'm like I'm feeling this. I don't like how I'm feeling If I tell Rachel, am I a burden? Like it's still a thought process that I have to overcome constantly because I've got 30 something years of societal pressure telling me that that's not okay to feel and to share. And so I think a lot of guys stumble on this because of that reason. And it's so important for any partner to be really open and compassionate around that on both sides.
0: Oh, I really appreciate that perspective too, Kyle. Like on that, um, the question instantly came to mind is, is there any type of verbiage that Rachel has used or that someone could use that from a male perspective makes you feel more open, right? Like things that she could ask you that make you feel as if you're more comfortable to share how you're feeling. Like give the the women some like tools that are trying to come to their husbands and like, help me, tell me about your feelings, boy. (laughs) (laughs)
2: 100 percent and it's it's one term and she's used it since i've known her i think and it helped so much especially in the earlier stages of our relationship and then well okay it's helped at every stage of our relationship (laughs) because she still reminds me of this on a month by month basis sometimes a weekly basis if i'm really struggling so uh i've always said that i do a lot of masculinity work with guys and Mm. i've always said that the most masculine thing i've ever done is crying in front of my wife like yeah. I climbed mountains, shotguns, guns, crashed my car when I was 18. Like all the things that guys do like, hooray. But yeah. the strongest thing that I've done is cry in front of Rachel. And I kept getting in my head, like, why am I just, my eyes are watering. I can't figure out why. Cause I'm like sharing my emotions, but they're happy, but I'm crying. And I can't figure this out because it's so confusing because societal impression, again, crying is yeah. weakness for a man. Yeah. And so she pulled me aside one day and she's like, Hey, you keep like preventing yourself from crying because it seems like, I forget exactly how she framed it, but she's like, think about it this way. If your feelings and sharing your feelings, we talk about how it's like a muscle all the time. You got to work it out to be good at it. And what happens when you work out, you sweat. So when you're crying, you're emotionally sweating. And I was like, oh. no way that makes so much sense. Oh. And so to this day, it'll be, we'll, we'll joke about it all the time. We'll talk about emotional sweating. Cause it's so, it's a, such an easier reframe for so many guys, I think.
0: Yes, because then they can be like, I'm a bro lifting my, curling my weights, but I'm sweating, like yep. sweating out my eyeballs. Wait, I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's really helpful. And like there, there are women all across the country that are currently pausing their podcast and jotting that down in the notes section of their <laughs> phone and they're going to use that. So thank you um, yeah, so, so much. Use it. Love it. Okay. So I also wanted to talk about what are, whatever, like, what are some of the divorce, like predictor, mm-hmm. or, like things that people come into you and you're like, whew, we really <laughs> got to work through this, like stat, um, that you guys want to talk about.
1: So based on research, cause I'm a total nerd. Yeah. Uh, the four biggest predictors of divorce are stonewalling and we'll totally explain what all these are yeah. stonewalling, defensiveness, criticism, and contempt. So stonewalling is when you totally shut off to your partner and you are no longer available for communication. So it could look like you leaving the room without any context of like, hey, we're going to take a break or, hey, I'll be back in five minutes. I need to cool off. It's like you just, you're gone. It could be you turning your back and crossing your arms or it could be the silent treatment. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Any form of stonewalling repetitively is a huge indicator that we're going to to divorce land. Yeah. Um, defensiveness is when everything, and this this is hard because if our partners are verbally attacking us on accident, of course we're going to defend. Yeah. But this kind of defensiveness is like everything you're defending like Like
2: woven in like everything is a defense everything's a negotiation everything's an argument every conversation is a sword fight it's one of those and it's difficult because Rachel was saying you know there's a difference between being defensive in an argument and having a constant defensiveness in your relationship because one person feels attacked obviously you're going to be defensive but I mean you know the kind of conversation you know the kind of relationship that we're talking about here where it's everything. You see it in your family members at Thanksgiving, you see it, you know, in all the stereotypical places, but you know the difference between a situational defensiveness and when it's just constant.
1: Yeah. If you've ever been out to dinner with like another couple and the one person is like constantly... No, that's not how it went. I didn't do that. I,
0: uh, no, it's so painfully awkward. Yes!
1: <laughs> yes, that is a form of defensiveness where you're yeah. like, oh my God, like should we be hearing this discussion right now? Yeah! Like maybe they I should save there. this it's for like home? I don't know. <laughs> it's, that, it's that type of defensiveness. Yeah. That's an indicator.
0: So, okay, so oh, wait, okay. can I actually ask a little question on that? If someone comes in that is like you're seeing that in the couple, like what... Do we just bring attention to it? Or like, how do you start them from working through that? So in in traditional couples therapy, there's
1: different modalities that say different things about that. There are some theories that say, don't say anything. And you as the therapist just lead with questions to get to the bottom of it. And then there are other modalities that are like, call that shit out, tell them the information and get down to business. I think personally, based on my experience, that it is far more effective to tell them what's going on. Yeah. Because how in the world, I don't like skirting around an issue. And if Mm -hmm. something is clearly happening, they're either going to want to fix it or they're not. So I don't need to like ask 5,000 questions for them to realize that they're doing it. I just want to tell them what it is. And if that is not the style that works for you, then that's okay. That's just the style that I have found to be best. So we'll point it out and we'll immediately give them something that they can do right away to get a win. So something that they can take and that night they'll feel better. And then when they come back in, the next time we meet with them, Mm -hmm. we'll take the next step. But it's achieving that first win. It's just like with fitness, right? Like if if you don't have those wins along the way, you'll start to give up. And you need to see the momentum and the progress. And so couples work is the exact same way. You need to feel it getting better. Otherwise, by that point, you're like, I don't even know why I'm fucking
0: trying anymore. Yeah. Well, it's like that glimmer of hope that it's like... confidence deposit in your bucket when yes. like, you get that little win, that it's like, maybe there's something still here. Like, you yes, know? exactly. Yeah.
1: And you're seeing your partner. You're like, oh, Holy shit. He can change. Like <laughs> it's just that feeling or like, wow, she can talk to me and not yeah. be an asshole. This yeah. is amazing. So yeah, I love that. Okay. And then what was the third one? So the third, the last two, they yeah. kind of go together are criticism and contempt. And criticism, not in the way of like, wow, you're a bad singer. Like, it's not like that type of criticism. It's blaming a problem in the relationship on a personality quirk or trait of one of the people. So if I were to say, let's say when Kyle and I first met, Kyle's exterior, right? And let's say we started dating right then. And I were to say, God, we always fight because you're such an asshole. You are just such a dick and you have no capacity to feel feelings. Yeah. That's, that's the type of criticism. So it's like blaming the fighting on that personality trait of the person instead of saying, I feel frustrated when you speak like that to me. I feel hurt when you talk to me like that.
0: Yeah, it's this
1: really like daggery language, and contempt is just like think of criticism, but with an eye roll or a sword. Contempt yeah. is like, I'm over you. You're annoying. I'm looking down on you. Mm-hmm. You, oh god, it's like condescending. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever seen one person in a couple roll their eyes. When another person, like their partner has said something and you're like, Oh my God, did she just roll her eyes right now? Is it?
0: Yeah. That's contempt.
1: Yeah. So yeah. those are the four. So criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling.
0: Wow. Okay. So I feel like underlying all of that is kind of this like self-awareness of like taking ownership for your part in it. Um, so how do you guys teach that? Like, how do you teach someone to become aware of like, maybe the woman listening to this, for example, is like, I probably do a lot of those things. And right now she's like, help. You know, I mean, yeah. and I, know, and I know that I do like, if I'm like irritated with Tina, I know that I've done all four of those things probably at the same time, if that's possible. Um, so I'll take ownership of that. But of course, we, we all, have. We we all have. We're, have. we're trying to, you know, of course we're all trying to be better and improve ourselves by listening to this podcast. So, <laughs> What? Do, yeah. What do we do to the woman that's like, ah, you guys? Like, I'm doing all those things. What do I? How do I get more self-aware? And maybe even catch myself. Are there tips or tricks to like catch yourself when you're starting to feel that way? Questions to ask yourself, or ways that you don't just like spew all over everyone else. Oh,
1: so many! You had like eight amazing questions in there. <laughs> so I would say the very first thing, if you are like, oh my god, I do that, I do that, start to track yourself. You don't even have to say anything to your partner if you don't want. Yet, no. just start to track yourself. Like if you notice that you do something for then track it. Then you can start to try to get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. So if you try to get ahead of it first, you're setting yourself up for failure. And not I mean I hate that word, but you're setting yourself up for disappointment in yourself. Yep. Right? But if you can just start with the awareness, then you can okay, when does it come up? When do I get like that? When am I stonewalling? When am I rolling my eyes? Then you can look and say, oh, wow, I roll my eyes whenever we're talking about golf. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So then the next time you're in a conversation and golf comes up, you're like, now I'm going to try to consciously not roll my eyes. But Mm -hmm. if we just go in right away and like that Pavlovian thing is there, where you're like golf, roll the eyes. <laughs> like, you, you may not even notice that. So uh-huh. give yourself some slack and know that you didn't know this until now. You're just learning it. It's okay. It's gonna be okay. And I would start there. So awareness, and then get ahead of it.
2: And I'd say to piggyback on top of that, once you're aware of, or you know, when you enter into those states in your relationship, when you say something that you regret later on, things like that, I start asking people to check on themselves first because a partnership is coming together two people, right? But right. if you're half a person going into that relationship, then it's not a full partnership. So, and it can happen on a day-by-day basis, right? So if you haven't done your own self-work, if you have a lot of your own, you know, things you're working on, then maybe it's not a good time to be in a relationship at all. But if you have most of your things together and you're ready to be in a good partnership, if you haven't eaten recently, mm. if I haven't drank enough water, if you've had too much coffee, if you're low on sleep, <laughs> yeah. you haven't been outside that day, there are oh. so many factors that can lead into simple arguments that are repeatable. Such a good point. You do you know, you have the same argument at 3 p.m. every single day, or if you snap at Cena every day at 3 p.m. because you just didn't have the right amount of water after food <laughs> or whatever it is, that builds up, and then you do it three days a week and the next week you do it yeah. four days a week and the next week you do it six days a week and it all builds up so really taking personal responsibility to show up as a complete human being in the majority of your relationship because you can't do it always i will forget to eat food when i get really excited about something so <laughs> I'm a project and then i'll like snap at rachel and she's like when did you eat and i'm like seven hours ago <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay there's a problem there so maybe <laughs> eat something, but <laughs> it's being just taking a lot of personal responsibility because if I take care of myself or if anyone in a relationship takes care of themselves, they're showing up 100% for their partner, which is showing so much respect for their partner.
0: It, uh, such a good point, Gal. <laughs> that is Vegas. so good. Okay. So two other things I want to ask you guys about. Um, if you're making a big decision, right? So maybe let's use the example of like, the woman, no, let's use the guy wants to have a baby and the woman doesn't want to have a baby right now, or they want to move or they want to change career paths or whatever it may be. Do you guys have um, language that is helpful when like a big decision is coming and the person doesn't know how to communicate like their feelings to their significant other?
1: Can I take this? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So... First of all, we've just been going through this a lot together, so I just want to normalize for everybody out there, we've been teaching this now for over five years, and it's still awkward as shit when we sit down to have conversations about when we're going to have kids. Yeah
2: done this we've had these heavy conversations actually about once a year for the last three years at least two big moves uh a rearrangement of our business uh the wedding an, yeah wedding and then deciding when we wanted to have kids then changing our minds completely like four months later we had big <laughs> yeah. conversations recently so oh, i'm curious to hear you're gonna say actually because I don't know what we did during those. Well, I, I just,
1: I want to call that out because I think that so often people will look at us and I will get DMs on Instagram all the time. Like, oh my God, you're so lucky. You and Kyle must never fight and you just have sex all the time. And I'm like, girlfriend, I haven't had sex in three weeks. Like, I don't what are you talking about? I'm like, we fight. I just flipped him off in the parking lot. Like, I don't, okay. Like, we're still human beings. So I- I just want to call that out first and foremost. The
2: parking lot flip-off did happen two years ago. So it yeah. wasn't recent.
1: It was not. It was <laughs> not. It was a really lovely I'm moment. sure
0: I've flipped seen off in a parking lot before, so yeah. I'll get no, on that all, too. We've all, <laughs> it we've all been
1: there.
2: one We've
0: all been there. So
1: we actually have scripts to help with this. We yeah. created scripts that help with bringing up a topic. The first thing to do is to get clear on how you feel first. So it's kind of like what Kyle was talking about with making sure that you're fed and you've drank enough water and you've exercised, like whatever feels good to you. Yeah. And even if the clarity is that you're not clear, that's okay. You don't yeah. have to have an answer, but going into the conversation, have clarity around what you do or don't know. So let's say in your example, guy wants to have a baby and woman is like, yo, I I need like another year at least until we even talk about that. Well, first of all, setting a time so you're not blindsiding each other. And one of you is like off in la la land, like singing show tunes. And the other one's like, so when are we going to have a kid? And the other one's like, what? Huh, what? So asking, hey, I want to have a conversation with you about kids. When is a good time for us to do that? So that yeah. both people are consciously entering this like, beautiful, sacred container, yeah. knowing, okay, we're going to have the conversation. And then really feeling safe to express how you feel. You know, I don't want to have kids until X because why? Yeah. But if you can set up that space and get clarity on how you feel and then use the scripts for the language, that, that's really all you need.
0: Ooh, I love that. So good. Because, I mean, we're all constantly making all these huge decisions with another human. And yes. I love how you, you reiterate that so much, Kyle, like a, a couple of times on this episode of like, you're an individual in a partnership. So it's like, we're going to be going through this, having different ideas, and we have to figure out a way to communicate. And I love the work that you guys do around that. So, so powerful. Okay, last thing I want to ask you before I move into the final questions okay. is... Any language or advice around apologizing? Because like, I know, I think Rachel, you and I have talked about like apologizing, meaning that it values, like you value yourself and your relationship more than your ego if you're able to apologize or yeah. something like that. But, Good memory. Um, but can you, yeah, talk to us about what are some helpful ways for someone to like apologize with words that can help their other person feel supported?
2: So Rachel just mentioned those communication scripts yeah. and there's a part of them that is, it's the key to, to this, to apologizing well, and it's the feeling sheet. And that sounds strange to have a, yeah. a descriptive sheet that are, it's a bunch of like emoji faces, like the word or the feeling beneath it. Yeah. And that seems ridiculous, right? Like we're humans. I can tell you when I'm angry. I can tell you when I'm sad in theory. Right. But wow. we do this weird word trick when we're apologizing. Or saying anything really It says I feel like this. I feel like I don't get to say what I want. I feel like you don't listen to me. I feel like this. Those are not feelings. You are not sharing a feeling. So when you do apologize, Whoa, never
0: th- sorry to cut you off. I just realized <laughs> that is actually not a feeling, right? I yeah. feel like that's not a no- that's a nothing. Okay, sorry. That's you, know, you,
2: can be, you can feel like you know like an apple or like an object.
0: you can't. Like, okay. I feel like a monkey right now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. Be I don't, I didn't even realize I'd probably do that. Okay. Keep going. This is good. But it's a it.
2: literary trick. The word yeah. like is, I mean, the English language in and of itself is already a nightmare. And the word <laughs> like is a very specific word that screws up a lot of conversations and people will fall back into it too. It's really mm-hmm. odd. So it's the most difficult thing, I think, for a lot of people. And I speak from my own perspective. It is so hard to be mindful of your language when you are upset at all. Yep. And that's upset in the way that if I've done something that really hurt Rachel, it's a different form of upset because now I feel poorly about myself. See right there, I feel poorly. I don't I not feel like I've done something wrong. Even there, that's, it's like a good, good. So it's super hard to do, but with practice and repetition, you can get really, really good at saying what you do feel like uh, to your partner and that will give them a really good understanding of where you're coming from. And so if I've done something and Rachel is upset, you know, coming to her and say, I feel sad and apologetic for what happened. I understand that you're hurt X, Y, and Z. I said this, that resulted in it. And really be so careful in your words because words do matter. And if you aren't doing a really good job and using the correct terminology, you know, even if your partner's not a communications expert, they're going to catch it and they're going to pick up on it after a while. And it's just, it's a great practice to do constantly because it's so hard
0: yeah so powerful Uh, on that do you kyle have you had any like books that have been really helpful for you in kind of developing so either for the woman listening to this who has a hard time expressing her emotions or for the band either one of you i guess not just kyle a book that has been helpful for helping you kind of dig into how to express yourself like this or any personal development tools so a couple things um we have a vault of resources
1: that are yeah, very oh awesome. yeah. so dig into those yeah. um there is oh shit is it Sue Johnson or John Gottman so John Gottman has a couple books that i love i can send you the links after this week so in the yeah. show notes okay cool um, and then Sue Johnson who is the creator and researcher behind emotion focused therapy so EFT gets confused because there's like EFT like tapping Mm-hmm. And then there's EFT, which is emotionally focused therapy. And emotionally focused therapy is a type of couples therapy. And she has a book of, I believe it's her. Oh man, I hope it is. It's like eight conversations to have in marriage or something for like a long-term marriage. And okay. those are, that's really helpful. It will give you language. Um, okay. Then another one would be, you know, the five love languages? Oh mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there are apology languages as well.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Okay. Yeah. So uh, Gary Chapman, who wrote The Five Love Languages, he has a book on apology languages and what that looks like. And so that is another one that would really help.
0: Okay, cool. All right. So now tell us what you guys are doing right now. What programs are you excited about? Kind of give us, give us what's going on in your world and how people that want to work with you, either individually or together, whatever it may be, um, can work with you. Give us your rundown guys.
2: So we kept hearing the same thing from people around what they want for their relationships. And it's no surprise. It's the same as the fitness world. Everyone wants the magic button. They want the silver bullet. They want the magic pill that does everything for them without any energy or effort, Mm -hmm. which, you know, as you know, in the fitness world, especially too bad. That doesn't (laughs) doesn't work that way. However, we have worked out a way of getting as close to that as possible because, you know, in our lives, there is more stress than ever. There's more distraction than ever. And so the amount of time people have to really commit is not the same as it used to be, which is why that we're breaking out of the traditional, you know, therapy model of like, see us for X amount of months, for X amount of sessions, and then you're better. Hooray, that's the end. We're breaking out of all of that and giving people as close to what they're asking for as possible. So what these are, are relationship intensives where it's a half day full day or weekend long or two day long uh relationship intensive with us where we just get right to the nitty-gritty we break right into the relationship they share as much as they can with us and we start doing the real work in a very very straightforward and direct manner and then once we're done with that time we equip them with the tools to do the continuation work that's not as hard it's a lot easier after the intensives and if they keep doing that work. They're going to be on a really, really good path for the foreseeable future as long as they keep the work up like fitness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really scary. I'm not going to lie to break out yeah. of the traditional like therapy, especially for me coming from the therapeutic background. Yeah, but once I started seeing how powerful these intensives have been and the results that people are getting, oh. I'm like, wait a minute. They're spending less time and in the long run, less money than seeing one or both of us. For six months or a year, I have clients that have been seeing me for six years wow and it 's not because they 're not getting results, but we've they 've kind of grown a dependency on coming in, and they know that, so I feel totally okay to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and they that 's hard, and we don 't want to do that we don't want to enable a couple to have to rely on us to mm-hmm. do that. we want to empower them to do it on their own. And so these intensives are so freaking cool and we can do them virtually or in person.
0: Oh, I love how passionate you are about enabling people with tools. And that is so extremely unique. We're like, you guys are the tool King and Queen of the world, like literally. I'm like, hey, do you have a tool for that? Do you have a tip for that? You're like, tool, tool, tip, tip. Here, put it in the show notes. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. Um, what? Okay, tell us about the podcast too. Like, how can we learn more from you? How can we get into your guys's world? What are your podcasts? So we have two on hiatus right now, which is a longer
1: story for a different day. Um, But the one that is going and thriving and blowing up right now is our Bachelor podcast called The Right Reasons. Um, I was actually on TV this morning doing a freaking interview about The Bachelorette because of our podcast. Um, It is examining all of the bachelor franchise shows through the lens of psychology and healthy relationships and sex. And it is so fun. Even people who don't watch the show are now watching and listening to our podcast. And they're like, it's just really interesting. I don't even, I don't know who you're talking about, but it's interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're doing in terms of podcasts. And like I said, we have so much free content on our website. Oh, it's amazing. We have our old podcasts that people still find us through all yeah, our blogs. Um, and they're all still there in a vault full of, like you said, tools because we love us some dolls.
0: Yes. So good. And also like to the listener, like hear them together. They're so fun. Like I, <laughs> it's just like you want to kind of be around them. I'm like, I'm like, come stay with me in my house for like ever because I love you guys so much. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I so, so appreciate what you guys are doing oh, so much. So thank you. thank you. And also, I cannot end this episode because we have to get your Spotify playlist ads. So Rachel, last time you were on, you added like a Mean Girls Broadway thing, which I is did. really amazing. And <laughs> when it comes up, so we have a, um, Kyle, we have a Spotify playlist for the podcast. It's called Empower Her Pump Up Jams. And basically when you're like in the gym listening to this, and then all of a sudden Rachel's like Broadway show comes on, <laughs> like this is so good. Um, so <laughs> I need to know one pump up jam from each of you guys that I can add to this
2: playlist. Ooh.
0: All
1: right. I I like this. I got another show
2: tune. So sorry, everybody. Shocking. (laughs) Shocking you bringing a show tune.
1: (laughs) So it'd be Defying Gravity from Wicked. No questions asked. There is this song called Defying Gravity. It's all about the line in the song is, I'm through accepting limits because someone says they're so. Some things I cannot change, but till I try, I'll never know.
2: So good. Okay. Kyle, what about you? Uh, I would do. So I've been using uh, music as a a mechanism for getting myself like really in the headspace for like really, really great work to be done. I've been working on my my focus and my operation ability and all that. So anyway, uh, it's one of the songs from my like my own personal pump up playlist. Uh, It is the band Metric, the lead singer, Emily Haynes, She's amazing. Uh, And the song is called Dark Saturday. It's off the album Art of Doubt. And I love a good like cultural commentary. There's a lot of social commentary with their music, but it's good kind of hipster rock, but also, I don't know, man, it just pumps me up. It's really good. I'll, I'll throw it on there for you.
0: Oh, good. I love that. Okay. And then any first, actually, what are your, what are your social media handles so we can come find you and stock you and websites and all of that?
2: We have the easiest Instagram handles of all time. So <laughs> for it. Uh It's, the right, like our last name. So the W R I G H T underscore Kyle and the same thing underscore Rachel.
0: So Truth. good. Truth. the right reasons. Get it, guys? Like right reasons. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Okay. And then last little tidbit that you want to leave, like I'll I'll take this individually, actually, of to the it's predominantly women that listen to this podcast. So I'll say to the woman listening to this that wants to take her relationship to the next level or wants to just be the best version of herself any little tidbit that you want to leave her with
2: you want to go first <laughs> we both I'll look, look at each other like who's gonna,
1: I'll go first because I want you to end it alright okay. um, oh man I say that and then I'm like I don't know what I'm going to say <laughs> I would say no matter where you are right now I want you to think about what you want in life whether it's your relationship, your life, your career, where you are financial, fitness, like whatever your goals are and say to yourself over and over and over again, every single day, I am worthy of, and insert what that is there. Because what I have seen with all my clients, myself, (laughs) my friends, everyone is that when we don't believe that we're worthy of something, we will not have it. We will prevent ourselves from having it. Yeah. So I want to encourage every single human being listening to figure out what that is. And every day, all the time, I am worthy of whatever it is that you want because you are.
0: Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love that. that. So good.
2: (laughs) Uh, That was really good. Uh, So what I would do uh, since we had the predominance of, uh, female listeners, but actually has been the same thing for our business too, like mm-hmm. across the board. Even when I have my masculinity, the rocks podcast, it's on hiatus. That's was 70% female listeners. Anyway. Um, what I would say is if you're someone who's looking for more emotional growth, growth in general, you know, I think emotional, spiritual, physical, whatever, if you're looking for growth and your male counterpart, if we're sticking again to the heteronormative uh, thing here, if he's resistant, or doesn't show the same amount of excitement, it could very well be that he's really intimidated. I mean, the world is changing so fast and guys are really on an uncertain playing field at this point, which is no one's current fault. It's about 70 to 80 years of someone else's fault that we're building up and dealing with now. And so I'd say be patient with your guys and ask them in the kindest, most open way possible if they're having a hard time sharing their feelings, their emotions, everything, trepidation, Just be an open receiving container for that because I guarantee you that a lot of guys are having a really hard time saying what they're feeling nowadays.
0: So powerful. Thank you both so freaking much. I just admire and respect you both and the work that you're doing and how you show up as individuals and together and like you're so fun. I just love you guys. So thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you. And yeah, thank you guys again. We appreciate you Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you share it with your girlfriends or better yet, post it on Instagram stories and tag me. Then I can personally say thank you for helping me get this message out there. And if you didn't vibe with it, just keep that to yourself. I'm kind of new here. Still trying to figure it all out. Talk to you soon, girl.